Hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to have you here. You're joining us wherever you are in the room or online. Hope you're enjoying your summer as we're winding down uh, the month of August here, as well as our sermon series. I trust that the Jericho Wall series has been an encouragement to you as uh, we've been knocking down some walls that have been built up for various reasons. And uh, each week we've encountered a wall that's been uh, somewhat difficult to knock down. And uh, we're following Joshua's lead, though, and being courageous and stepping into that. We keep hearing reports and stories of how God's been using this series to uh, stir in your hearts, to knock down some walls that have to come down, um, whether it be shame, whether it be fear, whether it be generational sin, whether it, it be vengeance. Um, God's been using this, and so we're excited about that, and uh, we're excited to continue today. You know, we've uh, really given you a neighborhood challenge because it's our neighborhoods that have many of these walls built up, and uh, each week we've kind of leveraged a neighborhood story that we could uh, tie into where we're headed as we walk back into the days of Joshua in the Old Testament and hear how God was working in his chosen people, Israel. This week's no different. My, my dad grew up in a town called Plumsteadville. Some of you know that town and are very familiar, not too far from here. And he told me a story when he was younger and he had first started driving or, or had a, in years into driving, he had a story that he heard over the news and, and it kind of caught his attention. And it happened in his backyard and uh, that's when it really began to become apparent that we need to be remaining watchful at all times because sometimes we think things like this can happen other places or maybe down the city or something like that, but sometimes it could happen in our neighborhood. What am I talking about? I'm talking about something wily happening. You use that term, wily? You're like, oh, I'm not very familiar with that term. How many remember wily coyote, right? Always setting up traps for that road runner. And they always went south on Wiley Coyote. But I want to talk about Wiley because the term itself indicates using crafty and tricky and schemeful ways to bring harm or to catch or to ensnare or to allure someone. And what my dad described to me was something he heard in the news that they said there is certain people going around and if their cars were in an accident, they would seek to stage a second accident so they could receive double indemnity from the insurance companies. Now, this wouldn't necessarily work in our day and age, but way back in the 1900s, it can. And so he described to me the scene based on what he had heard they were doing. You know, the news said, you gotta watch out for it. It's often two people. Somebody's driving, somebody's in the passenger seat. That's the witness. And what they do is, it's often a car that's already been in an accident, so watch for damage. And it's at remote traffic lights where no one is around the day before cell phones and cars and things like this. I mean, they're gonna look for a remote area, and there's gonna be two people, it could be a damaged car, and they're looking to look back into you at a stop sign and claim that you hit them, you rear-ended them so that they could get a possible second insurance claim. And that second person there was to serve as the witness and they target people who were by themselves, remote traffic light or remote stop signs, and they would back up into them and say that they hit them. Well, you know when you're not paying attention to something, it doesn't speak to you, but when it kind of rings in your ears, it stays with you. And my dad said he was driving one day, he wasn't really concentrating on anything else, but he pulled up to a stop sign, and in front of him, he just got that spidey sense. Do you ever use that term? Something smells fishy. Does mom ever say that, young people? Um, um, I smell a rat. I don't know, I, that, that guy weirded me out, right? Like we have all these different phrases. Well, he had that, something's going on here. And he looked up, he's like, what do you know? This car's got a little damage in it. And, and what caught his attention is the person kept looking in the rear view mirror. And then he began to notice there were two of them and that story came across his mind. And he goes, I didn't do anything right away, but I thought, you know what? I'm gonna put it in reverse. He put it in reverse, and what do you know? They start coming back at him, and he backs up with them, and he backs up, and they back up, they see he's, they take off out of there. And he thought, 
wow, thank the Lord I thought about that. And I was able to get out of that situation where I was set up to be duped, to be trapped, to be ensnared. It's a good thing I had heard that. Folks, if there's ever a time to say, be on your guard, it's now. For young girls, as you're walking into a department store, you could be being targeted in our society. You walk out to a car, and you have to be alert more. We work with organizations that deal with some of the stuff that happens under the surface, and it makes mothers go, young lady, when you're going out, you never park next to a van. I know of security in my circles who say, hey, you walk out to a store or something, they've got something on the dashboard, okay? Don't be quick to get out of your car and pull it off of your windshield wipers. That's often a trap to get you back out of the car. I know some people like, as you're walking towards things, look under the vehicle, be on your guard. Why? Because there might be someone that has targeted you. Oh, that can't happen in this area can happen anywhere. And if we're not being watchful, we could walk straight into a trap. But when we are being watchful, we might spot something before it happens. We open up a link and we think this looks like a great opportunity and we're about to hit buy now. Go get it. It's gonna be anything other than an awesome thing for me to do. You get a text that says, fill out this survey. Oh, why not? That's an interesting subject. And before you know it, you're being sucked in, lured in to a trap. We are not to walk around in fear and we are not to hide in terror. We are called to walk in wisdom. And so today, our wall is the wall of folly. It's not a term we use much anymore, but it's a term that speaks to living life with a lack of good sense, with a lack of realizing that something could happen. It's a lack of understanding your surroundings. Today, in our Jericho Wall series, Joshua will be tempted to fall prey to a trap. And we're gonna see how he interacts with it. And I pray we learn from it. Because if we learn from it, there's a chance we won't walk into folly. I pray today the word of God will encourage you, but you will leave here wiser today because you visited this place, not because of what I've said but because of what scripture says in regards to walking in wisdom. Heavenly Father, use your text today to inspire us and challenge us to convict us. And Lord, get your message across today. A spirit of grace and an understanding that we all sometimes walk into these mistakes. But Lord, in your sovereignty, Maybe someone has tuned in. Maybe someone has visited this place because you want them to hear some of this so that they may not walk into the same trap or that one is coming and this will enable them to be more ready. Lord, may we be people who are walking in wisdom, not fear, because we know the truth and we spot the lies. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been following our series. We've conquered Jericho. We've burned down Ai. And now Joshua is at a place where the word is getting out of what he has done with the mighty Israel army with God at its side. And as the word gets out, the kings hear of this. And scripture tells us in Joshua 9 that as soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan and the hill country and the lowland and all along the coast of the great sea toward the Lebanon, when they heard about this, they gathered together. 
They're joining forces. They're gathering together for the Israelites are coming to claim the territory God has given them and God's enemies will be conquered. And so for the first time, in a book where we've seen the enemies of God reacting, we were going to watch them go on the offensive. Watch this. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they on their part acted with cunning. Okay, so we hear all these kings all around are gathering up, but there's this one group of people, the Gibeonites, they're doing something a little bit different. They're gonna part, in their part, they're gonna act with Cunning, cunning. The word comes from a Hebrew word, orma. In its positive sense, it can mean to act with prudence. In its negative sense, it can be to act with wisdom, but wisdom with the intent of harming someone. Um, what would we call that now? Uh, probably manipulation. I know what people do. I know what people are inclined to think. I know what people are going for, many marketing companies say. And so we will act with cunning and lure them in. And this is what they did. These Gibeonites, they put together a little plan. Scripture says, and they went and they made ready provisions and took worn out sacks for their donkeys. Why would they do that? Let's, let's keep reading. And wineskins, worn out and torn and mended. What, why would they do? Okay, so they're worn, everything's worn. With worn out patched sandals on their feet. Okay, I'm seeing worn out. And worn out clothes. Okay, there's a trend. Everything they put together is worn out. What's going on here? And all their provisions were dry and crumbly. Interesting. Now we've been given Prevy to the information that the Gibeonites are acting with cunning. But why are they doing this with all old, worn out things? Let's keep reading. And, and, and when they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, now Joshua's back at Gilgal, and they said to him and to all the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. We've come from a distant country, make a covenant with us. Let's, let's do a partnership. What's going on here? But the men of Israel, they said to the Hivites, perhaps you live among us, then how can we make a covenant with you? They said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you? And where do you come from? How many of you are like, what's going on here? We've got this Gibeonite group. They're dressed up in worn out stuff, worn out sandals, worn out wineskins. They've got dry and crumbly provisions. They come up to the Israelite people and they say, we've come from a foreign land. Let's do a partnership. Why is there hesitation? Can you read the hesitation from the Israelites? What, what? Perhaps you live among us. This is very interesting, especially... For all of those of you who know the background behind what's going on, why are they pretending to be from a distant country? You say, are they from a distant country? They are. Why are they pretending to do this? You see, in the book of Deuteronomy, God told the Israelites, when you go into the promised land, if there's cities around you, dedicate them to the ban. But if they're from distant lands, Offer them a peace treaty. If they say, we will make peace, make them your servants, and you don't have to dedicate them to the ban. And so these Gibeonites know the word of God. Never think that there isn't sometimes people who are dressed up in sheep's clothing that are actually wolves. And sometimes they might use verses even at times. They might use the scripture. And these people know the Bible and they know the Israelites. If they're a distant country, they might make a treaty with them. But if they're close, they're dedicated to the band and they're leveraging this loophole they found in the Torah that they knew the Israelites would be responsive to. And they come to them pretending to be from a faraway country and the Israelites go, who are you? Where are you from? Joshua says, where do you come from? What's going on? Joshua spots something, doesn't he? 
Joshua's got that gut feeling. You ever get this? Something's off here. I don't like this. You ever do this as a couple? You're, you're like talking like, sweetheart, I just feel like something's not right here. Like I'm about to make this happen and just something isn't there. You go, there's a story about that kind of thing in scripture? There is, and you're reading it. Joshua says, who are you? And where do you come from? Josh is spotting there might be some wily ways. Let me update you pictorially for those who learn better through pictures. The Gibeonites are not far away. They're only about a three-day journey from Ai and Jericho, and they're pretending to be a people from a distant country outside of Canaan. And so they're dressed like it's been a long, tireless three-day journey. And Josh was like, oh, I don't know. Tell me more. Folks, this kind of wily way in times of war is not, is not just from the times of scripture. This has worked its way out throughout history. Did you know in World War II, they had these things called ghost armies? And one of the things they would do is they'd inflate things to look like tanks. For example, clearly these four men cannot carry a tank. But what they would do is they'd inflate these tanks and they'd stage them. And this was used at times even against the Germans and they would attack these inflatable tanks. Here is a, a flyover of an entire ghost army where tractors were the tread marks, cardboard cutouts were used for soldiers, and um, different parts they would lay around and set it all up and it would distract surveillance. Obviously this would not work in our time, but this would distract surveillance and the true army would go the different direction. And this was the encampment at the Rhine River where it was shot on and there was nobody there. The Gibeonites are pulling a fast one, if you will. They're hoodwinking them. They're tricking them into thinking they're from a distant country. So Joshua says, where are you from? Let's pick up our text. From a distant country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord, your God. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? I mean, we're here because of the Lord. Make no mistake. Sometimes wily people will bring in some wonderful things about God. For we have heard a report about him. They continue and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth. And, and some of you who are a little more familiar with geology, you're going, your geography, excuse me, you're going, wait a minute, those are all very distant cities. Oh, these guys are good. Oh, we heard about from way distant cities. They didn't say, we heard about what happened to Jericho. They said, we heard about what happened to the Amorites beyond the Jordan. These guys are setting this up. Wily men know the loopholes. So our elders and our inhabitants of our country, they said to us, take provisions in your hand for the journey and go and meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Come now, make a covenant with us. I put a little note, wily people will add just a little bit of truth to the lie. Hey, we were told, come and make a covenant, which is true, and they did. But I also put in my notes, wily people will make sure you feel they're not a threat. It's no big deal. Hey, hey, this is nothing. Hey, let's partner. And it's always a partnership, isn't it? Hey, let's link up and do this together. Make a covenant with us. One commentator no noted, he said, have you already noticed they've asked for a covenant twice and it's about to be a third time? They gotta close the deal. Come on, let's do it. Hey, hey, we're from a distant country. Let's make a covenant. Look at, look at, our, look at all our stuff. What's going on here? They continue. Here is our bread. It, it, it was still warm when we took it from our houses and our food for the journey on the day we set out to come to you. But now behold, it's dry and crumbly. And these wineskins were new when we filled them and behold, they burst. And these garments and sandals of ours, I mean, look at them. They're, they're, they're worn out from a long journey. 
I almost feel like there was one of them. This is where my mind goes. I feel like there was one of them like kind of doing like the posing and stuff. Like they're doing like this wholesale job, like they're at Shark Tank or something. I mean, look at our model here. He's worn out. Hmm? How about his sandals? I know, right? Like I just feel like this whole moment. And they're like, hmm. and you know one of Joshua's men's like, it's true, they are worn out. And, and they, uh, the crumbly stuff here. But yep, 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 yep. I mean, they're going out of their way. And I did this. Wiley people always offer their evidence as to why you should believe them and don't want to let other evidence come in. So what happens? So the men took some of their provisions. We always want provisions. That's when it's most tempting. They took some of their provisions, but watch this, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. How ominous is that? They took provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. She started dating him, but didn't take counsel from the Lord. He, he signed the business deal, but didn't take counsel from the Lord. He said, I'm in, but didn't take counsel from the Lord. She said, it's only one weekend but didn't take counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. So it's always the meetings behind the scenes where stuff happens that even the congregation doesn't find out at times. And at the end of three days, after they made a covenant with them, they heard that they were neighbors and that they lived among them. Can you imagine that moment when the leaders went, oh my word, there are neighbors. We've been duped. We got tricked. And we just made a covenant with them before God. What a sickening feeling to find out that they've allowed an enemy in the camp. They've allowed an enemy to make a contract with them. And the people of Israel, scripture says, set out and reached their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Shepherah, Baroth, and Kiriath Jerem, I already showed you where they were, only a three days journey away. And so you would imagine that the, the people of Israel would expect their, their warriors to go in and attack. But scripture says this, but the people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured against its leaders. How did you do this? Why didn't you see this? How could you fall for that? You don't understand, they had like dry crumbs. <laughs> like I had worn out sandals, I mean, and, and you do feel for them. Because they got tricked. I mean, they were good. They had a great strategy. But all the leaders said to the people, we have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we may not touch them. Look, we, we, we've made a, a deal before the Lord. We can't touch them now. This we will do, they said. We're gonna do this. We're gonna let them live, lest wrath be upon us because the oath that we swore to them. We, we can't wipe them out because we made the covenant before God. And to their credit, their leadership does not double down on the mistake. How often is that the case? A mistake is made and then another mistake is made to try to cover up the mistake that has been made. Give them credit for that. And the leaders said to them, let them live. So they became cutters of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation, just as the leaders had said to them. All right, here's what we'll do. We're gonna let them live, we're gonna make them servants. But then Joshua has a bone to pick and he needs to talk to them. He goes over, and I'm going to read it to you. It seems like he calls them aside. Scripture says, Joshua summoned them and said to them, why did you deceive us? Saying, we are very far from you when you dwell among us. Now, therefore, you are cursed, and some of you shall never be anything but servants, cutters of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. They answered Joshua, 
because it was told your servants for certainty that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. So we fear God greatly for our lives because of you. And we did this thing. And now behold, we are in your hand and whatever seems good and right in sight do to us. And so he did it to them and he delivered them out of the hand of the people of Israel and they did not kill them. But Joshua made them that day cutters of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place that he should choose. Israel let the enemy in because they were deceived. And now they will deal with some of that for a long, long time. But my question is, Joshua, why were you deceived? Well, yes, hey, hey, they're good. I mean, these guys were good, and that's not untrue. But how often are we deceived? Because let me offer three reasons. One, we're just naive. I didn't know that could happen. I didn't know that I could be trapped into this. I thought it said, I want $1,000. Just click this link to claim it. And sometimes we make mistakes simply because we're naive. And when we're young, we make more mistakes. The fish didn't just go up and bite the hook. Somebody lured it in. Go talk to the fish with four holes in its mouth. He might have some wisdom for you. Maybe the second reason is disregard. Maybe they disrespected the threat out there. And they didn't understand how much they were in enemy territory. How could we learn from not understanding the same principle that they knew then? If you're in enemy territory, stay alert. One of our leaders likes to say, we can't be walking our dog through artillery shooting over top of us. We have to understand that there is an enemy and he wants to seek, kill, and destroy. Or is it possible self-reliance? There are times when we simply get deceived because we don't want to know the truth or we get deceived because we don't want to hear the truth, or we get deceived because the allurement is so attractive that it outweighs our good sense. But we know why Joshua got deceived. You all saw why Joshua got deceived. And it's the very thing we can learn today to keep us from being trapped. Why did Joshua get deceived? Here it is. But they did not ask counsel from the Lord. Scripture lays it right out for us. It's as if scripture wants to say, why didn't you pray? Why didn't you come to me? Why wasn't the next verse after they said, we have dry bread and Joshua went before the ark of the Lord and asked God, is this a trap? Why is that verse not there? Because this is one of these lessons we can learn in scripture to say, there are moments in my life where I'm going, what's this about? Joshua was there. He was feeling it. He's like, mm, what is this? I'm not, I don't like this. This doesn't feel right. I'm about to click by now, but there's something here. I'm about to say yes and shake my hand, but there's something off. He did not seek counsel from the Lord. Where are you most tempted to do that in your life? And he made the business decision but he did not ask counsel of the Lord. And that family decided to watch that movie, but did not ask counsel of the Lord. They partnered up in that business transaction, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. Where are you most tempted? Where are you possibly naive? Where are you possibly disregarding the threat? And where are you possibly relying on yourself more than you should? This is why. Today is the wall of folly. 
We gotta knock this wall down so that we can walk in prudence. And if you're here today and go, I've made mistakes, I've been caught, I've been trapped. I know that sickening feeling of having somebody fool me. Did you know scripture is here to help? Did you know you have a heavenly father, child of God, who longs to help you with wisdom? Yeah, in fact, it's James in the book that he writes, verse five of chapter one. He says, if any of you talking to children of God lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, without a, why'd you ask me? Not that kind of, but generously and it will be given to him. Now there's a difference between giving and giving generously. God says, I wanna give you generously wisdom through James's writing. But, but that always seemed a little abstract to me. As I, I, I've known that verse for much of my Christian life and it always seemed a little abstract because decision moments would come and I'm like, God, I need wisdom. And I didn't get like, do it, you know? And I, if I did get that, I would be very scared. Like, get out of there. I, 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 oh, okay, what, what? I didn't get like no awe before. So like, what does it do to seek wisdom? And this verse, I would always like, I want to claim it, but like, what is the aspect that I'm not gathering? And as I, as I grew in my knowledge of a more in-depth approach to Bible study, I began to look at words more deeply. And one of the words that I saw more deeply was this word wisdom. It comes from a root word, Sophia, and it carries the same wisdom as the wisdom used in the Old Testament in the books of wisdom literature. Did you know that there are certain books in the Old Testament that are called wisdom literature? There's three specific ones. Do you know what they are? Well, one is Proverbs. The other one is Ecclesiastes. And the other one is, you wanna believe this, Job. That is wisdom literature. And wisdom literature gives out wisdom in nuggets that if one is to follow, those things predominantly happen in their life. But what's interesting about the wisdom of wisdom literature, that literature, that use of that wisdom word carries the sense of wisdom that has already been revealed, not about to be revealed. Now, why is that important? Because what James is saying is, if any of you lack wisdom, he will give it to you. But it's often a preemptive strike. It is wisdom you have before the moment as given from his word. And then James continues, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts, he's, he's like a wave driven and tossed around by the wind. Now you can see James is leveraging wisdom style because in wisdom literature, it's often pictorial. That's why a lot of Proverbs is like a man who returns to this. It's very pictorial, okay? And so James is going there and he wants you to picture a wave just getting bounced around. That's the person who asks wisdom for God with doubting. What's that carry? That word there comes from a word that can have a two-part meaning. It means let him ask of faith with no divided motives. I kind of want this for me. You didn't trick God. Or, but let him ask in faith with no divisive attitude. Oftentimes when we ask for wisdom, we have a divisive attitude or a divided motive. And God says, no, that's not what I want you coming. I want you coming for wisdom with childlike faith and you'll get it and you'll get it from me generously. Oh, it might be someone who just shows up into your life. It might be a situation where you didn't know to check there, but God uses different ways to bring wisdom to us. But the best way and the most succinct way with this text is it's a preemptive strike so that you see the real thing so that you can spot the lie. There was a young Chinese boy who loved to go to his master teacher and gain wisdom from him. And one of the areas he wanted to get wisdom from was a rock or a stone of jade. And so he went to his master teacher. He wanted to know more about the jade and his teacher told him to hold it and hold it tight. And weeks would go by and he'd go and he'd see his master teacher, but his master teacher never talked about jade. 
He'd talk about philosophy, talk about life, but he wouldn't talk about the jade. And he was growing disappointed, but out of tremendous respect for his teacher, he did not question him and he continued to go. And a week or two went on and he came in and the master teacher gave him a rock and he went, hey, that's not jade. And he realized the lesson. Every day he was holding the real thing so that if the wrong thing ever got into his hand, he'd spot it. See, oftentimes the best way to see if something is wily is to know the upright path so well that anything else stands out. Some of you know I worked in a bank out of college and they would teach us how to touch a counterfeit bill by giving us the real thing. And we count the real thing as much as we could. And if a fake one was in there, your fingers would feel it. Whoa, whoa, what was that? You just feel it. And it was one of the ways to say, the better you know the real thing, the more obvious the counterfeit will show up. Wisdom from scripture is preemptive. Did you know there was another young boy who sought incredible wisdom from God? In fact, God said, ask anything you want. He said, I desire wisdom. His name was Solomon. He kind of had a famous dad named David. And Solomon said, if I'm gonna reign in this kingdom, I desire wisdom. And God gave him wisdom, scripture says, more than any man that had walked the earth, obviously outside of our Jesus Christ. And you know what he said about wisdom? He goes, if you desire anything on earth, and this was the wealthiest man to walk the face of the earth. He said, he said this from the position of having everything the world offers. If you want to search for something that has value, he said this, get wisdom. Get it. What? Yeah, go get it. And then he continues, he says, if it costs you everything you have, get understanding. Wisdom has more value the knowledge for wisdom enables you to walk through this life and spot a wolf in sheep's clothing. There is a famous story, fable, account of Red Riding Hood. Some of you are familiar with the story. I actually went back and reread it and it's like, whoa, this is a little intense. I mean, definitely not written in 2022, but like the wolf straight up eats the grandma, okay? and waits for the girl to come. Oh, what big hands you have, better to hold you with, right? You all got it in your head, right? And it's, it's a, a story written to teach children sometimes the most dangerous things look very innocent. And they leave the window open in their life to the way of folly. You know the book of Proverbs gives out instruction on many different compartments of life. Did you know anybody who is an entrepreneur or a business person or organizational leader, did you know that Proverbs in the first chapter lays out five, five ways to avoid folly in business practices? Right in your hands. You might be in a season of your life like, I really don't want to make a bad decision. Did you know that if you have a Bible in your house, you have in your hands, in chapter one, I'm not even reading the rest of the book yet. In chapter one, you have a five-point outline on how to avoid folly in business and not let that window, it's only one window. It's just creeping open just a little bit. And that's no big deal until somebody comes into your house and robs you of something. Let, let me show you a couple examples of how Proverbs can change your life and give you wisdom for preemptive strikes. Here's some ways of folly that Solomon lays out in his book. And did you know this, teenagers? Solomon writ, wrote this basically for young people. His desire was to write this for teenagers. And it's almost like he knew texting was coming because he gives you like these little short texts. You know, young people, they say, I don't like to read. That is a lie, okay? They read all the time. It's just very short portions, all right? Or if it gets real long, they're like, too much, click, thumbs up, good, okay. <laughs> we read, we just read what we want to read, right? Well, that's the way Proverbs works. It's like these little texts, these awesome nuggets of truth that help you get preemptive on the attacks of your life. Okay, I've set this up. I don't want to keep the window open of business practice. Let me, let me just show you how Solomon does this. In chapter one, he says this. 
My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. He says right off, watch out for enticing opportunities. They'll say things like, people are so stupid. They'll buy this stuff. They're so dumb. They prey on innocent people. They'll manipulate them like, oh man, this will be fine. People are idiots. We do this to them all the time. Enticing opportunities. Watch out. That could be a window open. Here's the second one. Solomon says this. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive. And whole, like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Solomon says, watch out for alluring investments. Oh, they're so alluring. Like, ooh, look at this. Hey, people make a lot of money on this. One time I heard there was this guy, he made like this much. You gotta get in on this. Oh, oh, really, really? I gotta do this. Huh, now you gotta hear what I had. It's always these alluring investments. Solomon continues in Proverbs chapter one. He says this, throw in your lot, they'll say. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. Oh, they love appealing partnerships. Hey, we'll get in on this together. This is gonna be great. Don't miss out on this. We're gonna go in. We're gonna do this together. And they'll appeal to partnerships. And then Solomon continues. He says, they'll say things like this. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Do you hear that? Run, make haste. You're going to see this when you're getting possibly in a trap. There's going to be aggressive timelines. If you don't act now, I mean, time is ticking away. I mean, I bet that baby will be gone tonight. You are always up against an aggressive timeline possibly. You say, you see, these are good sales tactics and they might be. But Solomon's saying, watch out for this stuff. Is there anything wrong with any of these things? Not necessarily, but watch out. It could be wily because the fifth part is crafty methods. For in vain is the net spread in front of any bird. Oh, there's a bird. Hey bird, we're gonna put a net in front of you. No, a bird sees that. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush on their own lives and they use crafty methods or corrupt methods. You'll say, is that, is that an honest thing to do? Well, I mean, you know, everybody's doing it. So like, you know, everybody's doing it. So it's no big deal. Like, but is that like, should we be doing that? Well, and you'll hear this phrase. Well, I mean, if you wanted to be above board, you don't do that. But you know, everybody's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Solomon lays out this in your life right here in chapter one. He gives you these five things to be watching out for. Enticing opportunities. Is there anything wrong with opportunities? No, there's great opportunities that come and sometimes they're very enticing. They're good things, but watch out. Alluring investments. Is there anything wrong with doing investments? Nope, not at all. Uh, Partnerships. Is there anything wrong with a partnership? Nope. Timelines. Is there anything wrong with aggressive timelines? Not, Not all the time. No, not all the time, but watch out for this crafty methods. Because trust me, God is never wanting to be a part of something that is sin. You know, I was like, Jesus was like really cool with us hiding that. No. That's one of the telltale signs is the crafty method. Because some of those things, it might not be a bad thing. But when it hits to, wait a minute, you said what? Well, we don't really report that. Wait, what? Watch out. Proverbs offers all this. In fact, Proverbs in the book Did you know that Solomon, he goes out of his way, he says, you know, Lady Wisdom, he calls her a lady, it's intriguing. He says she's out in the street and she's screaming at everybody to listen to her. It's almost like in the book of Proverbs, Solomon lays out this chapter section of going, why don't you people listen? And I'm I'm gonna be like bold here a second and say, she literally calls people dumb. You stupid people, listen to me. It's amazing. It's right here. It's it's incredible. I'm going to read this to you. Solomon writes this. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the marketplace, she rises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. Do you get the word picture? That's what I love about Proverbs. It's always pictures. She's out there in the middle of the street. Uh, uh, Cars going by. Look out. Hey. Hey, watch out, lady. Oh, excuse me. Hey, hello, hello. Wisdom's out the street going, could somebody listen? And here's what she says. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? She's like out in the street confused. Like how long are people gonna be done? This is amazing. And she says this, if you turn to my reproof, 
If you turn away at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called to you and you refuse to listen. I've stretched out my hand and no one is heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I will also. If you ignore me, she says, I'll laugh at your calamity. I'll mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligent, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and, their, and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by the run turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me, she says, will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. It's like right in the first chapter, Lady Wisdom Solomon saying, going, read this, read this. I just don't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, my life's so, right here, right here. You have been given a preemptive strike. And it's like the words coming off the page of Proverbs from the hand of Solomon are saying, read this. Did you know, did you know that Proverbs gives out the portrait of a fool? You want to know why that's so important? Because you notice we deceive ourselves. And one of the number one reasons for calamity in people's lives is their lack of self-awareness. Did you know Proverbs will help you with your self-awareness? You'll be able to see some of the areas you're acting like a fool. Oh, I didn't really know I did that. Or you'll see if you're in the company of fools. Young people, listen to me on that one. You'll see if you're in the company of fools, if it's not yourself. And hey, no judgmentalism here. We all will act like a fool at times, but did you know there's a portrait of a fool? Let me give you an example, a couple of them here. I think there's six or seven. One, Fools love mischief. They enjoy it. Come here, come here, come here. Let's go destroy the bathroom and put it on TikTok. Come on. It is a sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding has wisdom. Here's another portrait of a fool. They repeat their mistakes. They repeat their mistakes over and over and over. So, listen to the word picture. Like a dog that returns to his vomit. Gross. Hey, you know like how dogs go and eat their own vomit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what a fool's like. That's how Proverbs works. Oh, oh, oh. Here's another one. They scoff at consequence. Hey, me, we might not want to do that because if we do that, then that's going to happen. Psh, that's no big deal. Oh, come on, stop. No, yeah, I know. Some people are like, woo, well, that's not me. I won't do that. Hey, I'm not, I'm not. I could stop whenever I want to. They scoff at consequence. You see how it helps your self-awareness? Am I doing this? Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous, there is favor. This is right in Proverbs. This is wisdom right out of the scriptures. Look at this one. She says this, wisdom, Lady Wisdom says, they love their opinion. A fool loves their opinion. They don't have to be the expert. They got themselves a platform and away they go. A fool has no interest in understanding, but only expressing his opinion. They love to hear themselves talk because they love their opinion. How many of you have spent years in a profession want to hear from somebody who has never worked a day in your job how you should do it? But a fool loves their opinion. Here's another one. They invite an argument. Fools invite arguments. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. Oh yeah, you want to talk? I'll, talk. I'll, 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 I'll go back and forth with you. Don't, watch out, that's the way of folly. Here's another one. They speak maliciously. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips and whoever utters slander is a fool. Don't just think, oh, it's just a little gossip. No, you've left a window open to folly in your life. And a fool speaks maliciously of other people. Here's another sign. They anger easily. Fools get angry quick. So let's not act like one. Scripture says this, a fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covers the shame. But you know what's so interesting? 
in Proverbs, this verse, it always stood out to me. Folly, you know what folly does? It blames God for failures. Scripture says this, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. I can't believe all this stuff happened to me. Where's God? Wait a minute. That's folly to say you can live however you want with a malicious tongue, loving your opinion, angering easily, inviting arguments, walking into mischief, enjoying it, repeating your mistakes, and then it's God's fault? That's what folly does. Do you see how Proverbs helps your self-awareness? Well, I wanna act like folly. But did you know that one of the coolest things about the book of Proverbs is it gives word pictures and little text size nuggets. And did you know in word pictures, you can get wisdom on how to avoid being ensnared by a wolf in sheep's clothing? So yeah, I, I don't wanna leave the window open in my life. I, I, gotta, I gotta shut some of these windows. Well, folly can be avoided with direct counsel from the Lord. I wanna give you just a few word pictures that are like, they'll just ingrain into your mind to help you think, am I around folly? Here's one. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Here's the point, do not mess with folly. It's no big deal, it's like, it's no big deal. Okay, okay, you know that guy who stole a bear cub and then the mother came after him and tore him all up? Oh yeah, I heard about that. Okay, that's folly. Oh, see that's how Proverbs works. That guy got shredded for that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's not mess with that. Let's not, like, oh, let's dabble with it a little bit. Don't mess with folly. If you're around the portrait of a fool or if you're acting like the fool, don't mess with it. End it today. That window's open and the enemy wants in. Here's the second one. Do not admire folly. Don't admire folly. Proverbs says this, like snow in summer. How many of you like snow in summer? Okay. Or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Do not admire Folly. Young people, it's so easy to admire folly in our world because our world sets up people who pretend to be things as the voices of our society. We take actors and things like this and because they make lots of money or because they're all over our social media accounts, we set them up to speak for everybody on how we are to live in life when they're pretending to be somebody. We gotta go to the truth of scripture. We can't take all the world's thoughts and say, that must be it. So don't admire folly, God says, in your own life or in folly that you're listening to. Like snow in summer, it's unwelcome. Or rain in harvest, it's unwelcome. So is honor for a fool. Here's the third one. Do not partner with folly. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. Be careful not to do business partnerships with folly because folly will hurt everyone involved, not just a couple. Proverbs says, it's like an archer who's picking out everyone. This is right in your scriptures. You've had this in your bedroom. You've got this on your cell phone. This is unbelievable wisdom in your pocket, and Lady Wisdom's going, could somebody listen? You don't have to walk into these traps. Here's another one, do not celebrate folly. Like one who binds the stone in the sling is the one who gives glory to the fool. Like one who puts the stone in the sling and binds it in there so it doesn't come out is one who gives glory to the fool. You ever gonna throw it? Nope, I'm just gonna do this the rest of my life. Do not celebrate sin. That's what scripture's saying. And then finally, do not argue with folly. Be careful, don't argue with folly. Proverbs says this, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you will be like him yourself. You're called to be remarkable, not arguable. Peter says, hey, live in such a way that they might see 
and ask for the hope that is inside you. And if you can offer a defense based on their question, that's one, but don't run into a fight. I was given counsel by a mentor who knows that feedback can come from various sources. He said, Chris, be careful. Don't get in an argument with hypothetically or a pig. He always said this, because you both get muddy in that and the pig liked it. If you walk into that mud, you're gonna get muddy too. But the pig's the one who liked it. So be very careful to not engage it. How do I spot a wolf or a shepherd? You're gonna drive by a lot of stop signs this week. And when you pull up to a stop sign, I want you to think about any decision in life because so many times when your spidey sense goes off, when something's fishy, when you smell a rat, stop! Think. I was told by a mentor, Chris, the devil entices, the shepherd leads. Note if you're being enticed or if you're being led. How? Well, let's put this up. The wolf Enticing opportunities, alluring investments, appealing partnerships, aggressive timelines, crafty methods. Are there anything wrong with opportunities and seizing them? Nope. Investments and having them? Nope. Getting partnerships? Nope. Nothing wrong with that. Aggressive timelines? Not, not, not necessarily. Crafty methods? Absolutely. So how would the shepherd lead? Well, it wouldn't be enticing opportunities. It would be providential opportunities. I am quick to ask somebody, how have you been seeing God lead you this way. Instead of alluring investments, it's prudent investments. This makes a lot of sense. I talked to people I trust who have a biblical worldview and they look at this as a great opportunity. I sought the counsel of others and we're making a prudent investment. Is it an appealing partnership? Or is it a prayer-filled partnership? Don't make the mistake of Joshua. Hey, let's do it, I'm in and did not seek counsel from the Lord. Take 24 hours. Well, we might not do this tomorrow. Well, then it wasn't supposed to happen. Have a good one. Guys, I've walked away from opportunities and the Lord brought them back going, nope, you're not walking away from that one. Okay, but I'm not back, back, back. If God wants you to have it, do you really think someone can stop it? And if God doesn't want you to have it, do you really think you can get it? What a relief to be a Christian takes a lot of decision-making out of our hands, doesn't it? Watch out for aggressive timelines. There's nothing wrong with them. I like aggressive timelines at times, but we should be making sensible timelines because God always has perfect timing. And if you sense the timing is not of God, watch out. And if there's crafty methods, stop. Immediately stop. For God only honors upright methods. I really feel it's the Lord's in this whole lying scheme. No, no, that's an easy one. If you spot craftiness, go, no, that can't. And if any of this is happening, watch out, it's folly. Shut the window, it's trying to destroy you. It's trying to destroy you. You say, that's great, that's good information. Some of you younger people are going, yeah, that's good. I mean, someday if I, if I go into this, I could think this, but I don't really have a window open in my life. I mean, do I have a window open in life? If you're probably like, let's say 14 and up, you have a window open in your life. And here's what it looks like right here. That's a window, make no mistake. And Lady Wisdom wants to say, stop, don't, Click on that link. Don't, don't buy now. Don't listen to that. Don't let them define you. Don't worship that. Don't buy all of that. Don't say that. Lady Wisdom wants to help. And she's crying in the streets. Listen to me. You don't have to be enticed. She wants to lead. The book of Proverbs, written by Solomon, inspired by God. Incredible wisdom to have a preemptive strike against folly and knock that wall down. There's a few weeks left in August. What if you made it a challenge? 
to memorize a couple Proverbs, even this month. What an incredible book of wisdom to help us in those times when we might get duped. Heavenly Father, as we close, I believe in your sovereignty, which means you're in complete control. That means everybody in this room is here today for a reason. Everybody listening online is listening today for a reason. There's no coincidences with God. And the reality is this week, maybe somebody is gonna be tempted by something that is out to get them. And Lord, it's so easy to be fooled. I know I have been fooled. I bet there's so many people in this room that could tell stories of how they got fooled. Protect us, Lord. But in those moments where we go, something's not right. I don't feel good about this. And the Holy Spirit's just tapping. May we not make the same mistake. May we not make the same mistake Joshua did. He did not seek counsel from the Lord. May we stop. May we ask for counsel. And if the counsel we receive is to shut the window, may we close it and lock it tight in faith that you'll bring something else along. God, use this sermon to grow our wisdom and to grow our passion to know wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.